Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. Hello, everyone. I am very excited to share today's episode with you. Some of you may know that at the end of March of this year, LinkedIn introduced as a new feature pre-filled work history options, such as stay-at-home parent or caregiver in English-speaking countries. These options created a lot of discussion on LinkedIn and elsewhere. In this episode, I'm including answers and insights related to this topic from Heather Bolin, Laurie Sugarman Lee, and Victoria Ipri. Freelance journalist Heather Bolin's Medium article, How a Simple Platform Fix Can Help Millions of Women Trying to Re-Enter the Workforce, and its subtitle, LinkedIn Must Remedy, its implicit bias against women was published on International Women's Day 2021. It went viral and caught LinkedIn's executives' attention when Fortune magazine reached out to them for a response as they were writing an article about it and it sparked the introduction of LinkedIn's new job titles I just mentioned. I ask Heather what made her write the article and to please summarize the main points for anyone who may not have read it yet. Thank you so much for having me. I wrote my article as a direct reaction to the challenges I faced in updating my LinkedIn profile after a number of years as a stay-at-home mom. And like millions of others, I, I got started with my efforts to re-enter the workforce by revisiting my digital resume, and I hit a roadblock immediately that at the time left me feeling pretty demoralized. And specifically, LinkedIn didn't, or it offered limited to no options for naming or talking about my time away from paid employment. And I'm not sure that I had any set expectations. And in fact, when I sat down in front of my profile and started at the top with job title, I typed in mom on a whim. But I do have to say I was surprised and disappointed that the only option that popped up was homemaker, which is a term that didn't resonate with me and didn't seem to aptly characterize my quote unquote time off and I didn't think would be appealing to employers or recruiters. And indeed, the term is quite antiquated. It was coined in the 1800s and became popular in the 1950s. And that's an era where, which implies not just stay-at-home mom, but stay-at-home wife. Um, and so I found this quite appalling, frankly, that this was the only label I had at my disposal on LinkedIn to capture my time away. So I did a little poking around to see what other moms had done, because surely I wasn't the only mother trying to get back into the workforce. And what I found was that some moms seemed to uh, want to tuck away their resume gap, maybe with the hopes that it wouldn't be that noticeable, while others uh, 
seem to want to call it out and we're using terms such as our titles such as family CEO, family COO, director of operations for example. And these were pretty creative workarounds for the lack of options on LinkedIn. But, and in fact, I used family CEO for a brief time, but it never sat well. I, for one, these titles are pulled from a traditional male work world. And while they certainly demonstrate the value that primary caregivers, mostly women, place on the work they do at home, such as managing a budget, leadership, organization, etc. They by not calling out uh, what it is, it, it perpetuates the invisibility of unpaid care work. So there was that. And then it also just felt a little gimmicky. I am still find it crazy that in this day and age, uh, we as women must be find cute little, workarounds to talk about something as essential as being mothers. So having hit that first stumbling block, I moved on to the next category on my profile, which is employment type. And once again, there just was no option to label my time away from the paid workforce. In fact, strikingly, there's no options at all for any type of leave, maternity leave, parental leave, elderly care leave, uh, sabbatical, etc. And most notably, in the times we're living in, there's no uh, option to label a pandemic leave. So I, I felt shut down at that point, and I literally shut my computer down and briefly stopped my efforts in job searching to kind of digest what I was feeling. And what I was feeling was shame. And I was ashamed for having stayed home with my children. And so I let that sit for a while and eventually I opened my computer back up and what came of that was this article. And while the at the beginning it was a rather emotional outlet, eventually I feel I honed in on something that was reasonable, rational, and concrete, an ask that um, could be, that was actionable. And it was important to me to bring in the other key stakeholders in this conversation and not have it be the burden of women to figure out a way to talk about this, but let's bring in the other players uh, into the discussion. I was very curious to learn from Heather what she felt the most surprising thing was about the public attention her article has created. Not only were there tons of articles written about it, she was also interviewed by the likes of BBC and NPR. I think what I find most surprising is the swiftness with which LinkedIn responded with real change. And that's not a comment on what I perceive to be specifically LinkedIn's willingness to listen to its members or the broader community, but perhaps what I perceive to be the willingness of any large company to do so. So that's been surprising and, and rewarding. And so too has been LinkedIn's level of communication around this topic and the changes they've made. This was the underlying purpose of my article to help normalize the conversation around employment gaps. And by jumping into the dialogue the way they have, LinkedIn exemplifies what we need to see from other employers, other companies to help destigmatize unpaid care work. 
And to tack on to your question, what I find least surprising is the outpouring of messages I received from women all over the world with personal stories that are some similar to mine, some not, but with the same underlying frustration of not being able to own their career path and a desire to have their career path seen as valid. As a stay-at-home mom previously for 11 years, this so resonates with me. I would also like to say a special thank you to Beth Ayanu and his team at LinkedIn for the changes they accomplished. He has written an excellent article about it that I will include in the show notes. Heather has been a stay-at-home mom as well as an expat after her corporate career. Often, the transferable skills from unpaid care work as well as being an expat are not recognized when trying to return to the paid workforce. I wanted to know from her what she would list as the top three to five transferable skills that she has learned during that part of her work history. Oh gosh, to narrow it down to three to five transferable skills. From an expat perspective, I have to say that tenacity and adaptability probably top the list. It takes an incredible amount of patience and grit to deal with the logistical challenges of an international relocation. And those challenges don't just disappear. There's always something popping up that requires one to engage in a unfamiliar bureaucracy or an unfamiliar business setting. Anyone who's tried to set up their cable or a phone or get a driver's license in a foreign country can feel my bane. Uh, but these, these skills are directly transferable to the workplace. Uh, an employee has to be able to uh, sort through the unfamiliar and still get the work done. In addition, from an expat perspective, there's a cultural component. And it's not just a matter of being open-minded, which I see as rather passive, but it's also gaining a skill set to be able to actively engage someone who is from a different culture and a different background and who is different from you. In, in the workplace, there's always a new boss, a new team member, a new project, a new workflow, a reorg. And it requires an employee to be able to uh, not just be tolerant of those differences, but be able to I engage them to the benefit of the team and of the new project. Um, not everybody's coming from the same place or the same work approach or the same business philosophy. And I would extend that even, it doesn't, it isn't just about an international relocation. Anyone who's moved between cities or states is faced with having to build a new foundation. And there's usually one person taking care of that work, of that building that foundation so that the others, the child, the spouse can thrive in their new environment, whether it's a new school or a new job or a new assignment. And I would say that that extends to any primary caregiver who um, is, for lack of a better uh, analogy, is managing the back of house and taking care of all of those de details and the minutia that comes with uh, keeping the back of house in order so that the front of house can be customer forward facing again for lack of a better analogy and often they're doing this while taking care of someone or something that's emotionally 
physically or financially taxing. So I think any employer would be uh, lucky to have someone with these type of skills and typically taking care of these kind of um, problems and, and, and tasks. As my last question, I asked Heather what other thoughts she had how LinkedIn could normalize someone's unpaid care work experience further and any additional thoughts of where she hopes to see returning professionals in the future. So there's still so much to be done, right? There's the need for paid family leave policies and improved work arrangements that allow for part-time work and flex hours. There's the need for better childcare options. And all of this seems rather daunting and they are huge conversations. In the meantime, I would love to see us look more closely at the language and terminology we're using. Stay-at-home mom, dad, parent is is already old-fashioned itself. And for many, it conjures up the image of someone who just sits around at home doing nothing. Uh, likewise, the phrase employment gap or the word gap has a negative connotation and it discounts the real benefits and real transferable skills that come from having a gap. Um, likewise, I'd love to see employers really engage with returnship programs um, that would help onboard those who have taken a taken time away from paid employment, either by helping reacquaint them with the workplace or with that particular industry or with that particular company. And while this is an obvious benefit to the job seeker, I think it's equally a benefit to employers who are missing out on this huge talent pool. I so agree with Heather. And I also wanted to give a special shout out to the trailblazers for returners, starting with Carol Fishman Cohen and her organization Ivy Launch in the US. I will also put in the show notes previous ev episodes with my guests that are focused in particular on helping returning professionals from around the world. I very much appreciated that Heather took the time to share her insights and thoughts on the Job Sharing and Beyond podcast. I will be sure to put her original article, the Fortune article, her LinkedIn information, as well as some of her interview links into the show notes. After the new stay-at-home features were announced on LinkedIn, Marketing strategist and full-time community activist and volunteer, Laurie Sugarman Lee wrote a thought-provoking LinkedIn article titled, I don't get paid, so what am I worth? That really resonated with the LinkedIn community and created heartfelt comments as well as private messages. I asked Laurie to share with our listeners why she wrote her LinkedIn article. The genesis of my article, uh, well, I enjoyed a career in marketing and brand strategy for 15 years at Kraft Foods and then Four Seasons Hotels where I grew tremendously as a business leader. I shifted my skills and passions into full-time support of my family and a strong involvement in my community in 2010 when my eldest son was born. 
I continued on this path as we welcomed a second son and then embarked as a family on multiple international relocations. LinkedIn was just gaining popularity as a sort of a job match website around the time of my professional shift, and I didn't feel like it was a particularly relevant environment for me at that stage. Other than creating a very basic profile, I wasn't an active user. My role as a stay-at-home parent was always valued by my husband and children and has offered me chances to contribute that have been very rewarding to me. I didn't think so much about how those outside of my circle might perceive it. Recently, though, over the past sort of year and a half, uh, a number of experiences opened my eyes to the fact that certain perceptions of unpaid home and community work really did not match my experience with it. My own value and validity in this role were called into question on two occasions by some folks who seemed to be missing important insights, and I felt it deeply. I started thinking a lot about labels and perception and how I might be a voice in promoting a better understanding. I put my thoughts into writing and began to explore where they might have an impact. And in a magical universe moment, LinkedIn provided the perfect bridge when they announced the addition of the titles stay-at-home mom, dad, and parent to their list of occupations. In that moment, I saw that LinkedIn could be, in fact, a very meaningful platform for me in terms of messaging around unpaid care work. And to their credit, they have done their job in creating significant connections for me in the short time since I engaged. I've been linked to a number of truly passionate awareness builders and voices for equality and flexibility and the ideal of a more considerate and diverse professional environment. Most notably, Karen, my connection to you via LinkedIn has led me to terrific resources and research, and I've been truly inspired by you. I so appreciate the kind words from Laurie. It's been so wonderful to meet like-minded people through LinkedIn. I was also curious to find out from Laurie which top three skills she learned from her years of unpaid care work, volunteering, and being an expat. A few of the skills I'm most grateful to have cultivated through my years focused on family, community, and expat living are cultural literacy, community leadership, and a constant introspection. As an expat, cultural literacy played such a central role in my global experience. Living in London offered the wonderful opportunity, of course, to become immersed in British culture. But through my involvement in our boys' school, which had an international student body, I became connected with folks from countries and cultures all over the world. Exposure to traditions and traits, ways of communicating and problem solving, even celebrating that are truly unique culture to culture was something that enriched me greatly. Speaking openly about culture, I feel, is the pathway to understanding and guides us to lead with respect. As a volunteer, I've developed many skills related to community leadership. I think especially when starting out in a new city or in a new life stage like becoming a parent, Volunteer involvement is a fantastic way to connect with the heartbeat and mission of a community, a wonderful way to form relationships, and a chance to continue to exercise many skills and talents. And as a caregiver, I'd say I've really evolved my skills in prioritizing constant introspection. I am more self-aware since becoming a parent than ever before. My children are my greatest teachers for sure, and I aspire to continuously work on myself to be the best I can be for them. 
the more time I spend with them, the more my perspective evolves, certainly on the world, the environment, on health, but mostly on myself, the values I embody, the judgment I demonstrate, and how I handle things when I don't get it quite right. Having lived in several countries myself, I can so relate to the skills that Laurie talks about. Now, as my final question to Laurie, I wanted to know how she thought LinkedIn could become a more inclusive place for unpaid professionals to share their work, insights, and learnings. What platforms like LinkedIn and others can provide is the opportunity and the challenge to think through, document, and share what unpaid home and community work is all about. Many of us have embraced these roles quietly. There's no organized structure of goal setting, evaluation, recognition, promotion, like you'd have in the corporate world. We just sort of get on with it, perhaps without even taking the time to note what we've achieved. Unpaid home and community work is not a one-dimensional role. We each have a story of what compelled us to take on these roles, the unique skills we've derived from them, and how we've manifested these skills into contributions and accomplishments. In telling our stories, there also remains a huge opportunity to tackle some of the outdated and unproductive language often used to talk about unpaid home and community roles. Things like resume gap, taking a break, time off, the moniker of stay at home in and of itself, which evokes a lack of action, a lack of connectivity, and the tricky, tricky labels of working mom and non-working mom. It really is our opportunity to propel this shift. Um, more of us begin sharing our experiences on platforms like LinkedIn and introduce more accurate, respectful, and powerful language we will manifest the change. I think LinkedIn can also encourage businesses to proudly profile more about what they are offering in terms of flexibility and diversity in the workspace. The movement can build from both sides and I'm really optimistic that it will. I am very appreciative for Laurie to participate in this episode. Since then, Laurie has written an additional article called Stay at Home Mom a power brand in her great quest to rebrand stay-at-home moms, which I wholeheartedly support. I will include links to both of her articles in the show notes. Last but certainly not least, I reached out to Victoria Ypri, a seasoned executive and middle management resume and job search coach and LinkedIn marketing expert. Victoria has created a LinkedIn post with a poll about feedback regarding the recent new job titles. I inquired with her about the results of her poll. Victoria shared that the post received more than 132,000 views and greater than 180 comments. Of the more than 3,400 votes, 74% liked the new titles, 7% thought it was unprofessional, and 19% felt neutral about it. I then asked her if she could share some of the feedback that she saw in the comments. People were fired up about this topic 
which hits so close to home, she says, those working in the recruitment field tended to disagree that the new titles LinkedIn suggested were meaningless in terms of job search. As one commenter stated, all the employer cares about is whether you have the functional skills to do the job. But many others related personal stories of childcare, elder care, hospice care, and other circumstances affecting both the pers their personal and professional lives, and most were definite in the belief that more empathy is needed in recruitment. I asked Victoria what re surprised her the most. She mentioned how the post went viral. She wasn't expecting it at all. Typically, she gets around 3,000 views on her posts, but the popularity of this topic was unexpected. She thought that it signals a sea change among workers who now believe, having survived COVID, that there is more to life than work. I then inquired if she had heard some initial or early feedback from recruiters already about any changes they may make regarding these new job history titles. Victoria responded that not at all, she had not heard anything beyond the comments on the post and that recruiters are rather tight-lipped in her experience. In my research for this episode, I have come across a 2015 university study implying that being open about an employment gap is actually more beneficial when tr uh, trying to find a job. And I will put that study link in the show notes. Now, based on the study, I also asked Victoria what her previous experiences had been with her clients. Was the research result also what she encountered in practice? Victoria responded, it is a fine line between openness and oversharing. Employers and recruiters are people too. They have families, bills and problems like anyone else. They can and often do demonstrate empathy in their hiring of female candidates. The study confirms that women can discuss some aspects of their personal lives like childcare and expect this will not diminish their value as a professional. It had been her advice to her clients for some time. She was very pleased to see that Vanderbilt University agreed with her. Thank you so much for sharing your insights, Victoria. I will be sure to put the link to your LinkedIn post in the show notes. I really appreciated hearing from Heather, Laurie and Victoria today. It is so important to raise awareness about stay-at-home parents and start normalizing this part of people's work history. And then, just yesterday, another post related to being a parent went viral on LinkedIn, this time on the German LinkedIn site when Katharina Schleberger shared 
how her need for a flexible working time of 30 hours rather than a full-time job basically has so far stopped her in the interview rounds rather than being offered the job. It has created more than 100,000 views in 24 hours with many comments and many companies offering support and stating that they hire people also in leadership positions who work fewer than the typical nine to five job. While we still have a long way to go to make flexible work the norm worldwide on every professional career level and to treat unpaid care work as simply a module of one's career path. Seeing the changes and awareness raising viral posts can create makes me feel more hopeful about the future. And I'm very appreciative to everyone who has already worked so hard in this field from internships to job sharing opportunities. And one example of change we will be looking at next week is when I'm talking in my next episode with two guests, Luisa Hanke and Robert Frischbier about work-life integration, flexible work and the new Work-Life Balance Facilitator Academy that they have recently started together to help more companies become family-friendly. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.